welcome to the Codeplay Culture Podcast, where we discuss tech, gaming, health, and the world around us. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Codeplay Culture Podcast. Today we are uh, joined by our guest Carl and co-host uh, Rui. Rui, what's up? Not much, man, not much. Just hanging out, enjoying this beautiful weather. You got your what's, Space Invaders uh, video game shirt? Yeah, man, of course. It's Friday. What is that? Orange juice, Carl? It's a kombucha. Ugh. Is it, is that like really healthy? Um, it's supposed to be. Oh, What's nice. in that? Um, it's like um a mushroom that's fermented with tea, a little bit of black tea, and I think they Appetizer. put a little bit of sugar in there. Nice. It's just like a fermented um, uh, fungus. Nice. Like yeah. So what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, old, old, old fungus that is, uh, it's, it's, I've let it age, you know, and this now it's new fungus, new fungus. It's the good stuff. Yeah. It's the good stuff. It used to be a dead body. Now it's fungus. You know, those things are incredible. I heard that they're going to just, uh, the cordyceps are going to just grow right through us. And, uh, it's what the last of us is based on eh? cordyceps. Yes. The last of us. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a show on. You ever heard of The Last of Us, Carl? No. Okay. All right. No, I have to check it out because I'm very interested in cordyceps. They're um, one of the most interesting, uh, I would say, life forms on the planet that I've that I've seen yeah. in my uh, travels. My travels watching nature shows. <laughs> yeah, they're like my travels super hyper aggressive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it travels from the from the sofa into the TV. Yeah, like they grow right through you, and then uh, that's it. Last of Us is like a uh, post-apocalyptic take on zombies, but if the zombies weren't like, you know, whatever disease, it was just all cordyceps, mushroom, fungus-based. That's what drove them to that point. And once you get bit, then you have it, unless you're immune. But cool thing about The Last of Us, it's all based off a video game, and uh, it's nice to see all this trend right now of incredible games and Rui got the gaming shirt on going to the big screen like Mario and last of us on um, where is last of us on Disney. I don't know. It's Netflix, right? Netflix. Um, Shoot. I can't remember. Oh no. Megan has to cast it. I think just to cast it from crave. Yeah. Is it from Crave specifically? Yeah. I just it's downloaded so it from, uh, from some some websites. Some Pirate Bay. <laughs> no, it is. Don't, <laughs> Don't advocate for that, but yeah. Um, so yeah, today we're talking about cloud computing. Uh, for those that don't know, it's, you know, if basically if you have a computer at home, what you want to do is go outside right away, lift it as high as you can. And that's essentially mm-hmm. what we're talking about today is yeah. taking your computer at home and moving it into the cloud. And, and what does that mean, uh, Carl? Like for the for the p- people checking out this stuff and they don't know, they're not in IT, what, what's cloud? What is that? What, what's going on? What is that stuff? Yeah, for anyone that's not familiar with the actual technology um, and why, why are they calling it cloud, basically it just means that uh, you're taking computing resources away from your desktop and away from uh, your own servers and you're using computing resources in somebody else's data center. <laughs> right. right. That's the, that's the keyword, but they're generally cloud is, is there's generally services sold 
um, on subscription basis. So you don't own anything. And, you know, maybe a, a, an example for um, the average person at home is that um, G, I would say is Gmail a cloud computing thing. You're not running your own email server at home. You're using Google's yeah. email servers. So pretty much anyone that uses email, you, you're using cloud computing. Um, whether, yeah, whether you know it or not, your yeah. telco, unless like, you got an exchange at home, then you're, yeah, some yeah. people do. I know some IT guys run their own exchange <laughs> ser- or not yeah. exchange, but their own email servers on Linux or whatnot. And Fair if enough, you're yeah. backing up to a cloud drive like Google, Google Drive or using Google spreadsheets or Google Docs, um, any kind of backup to the cloud is cloud computing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you're right. using the cloud, you're using the cloud. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and there is, I believe, a huge amount of companies still with like on-prem servers, right? And, and I, I don't know what the percent, yeah. but I feel like it's majority, right? Majority of the world is still on-prem. What do you think, Carl? Um, some companies are going fully cloud where they might keep one server on-premise for maybe Active Directory, maybe for a file server, but there's a lot of... Um, Companies that are, I would say most of those companies that are fully cloud are software development companies, bigger enterprises, legacy companies, even small businesses that have been around, you know, five, 10 years. Most of those guys will still run one or more servers on premise, again, because some workloads are just not a good fit for the cloud. The applications would need to be re-architected for custom apps. And then there's the uh, latency issues, remote offices, you know, they, they want to have file right. servers that are local. Um, so there's a mixed bag. And especially when you get, when you get into the larger uh, uh, guys that run you know, thousands of physical servers, there's, um, there could be just, um, again, technical reasons to keep stuff on premise, but also if they're heavily invested and have already spent the money on physical infrastructure, they're not just going to scrap it today or tomorrow. It's going to take uh, some time before they they figure out and migrate. Um, if if they could and would migrate those thousands of servers to the cloud, so th- there's a mixed bag out there. So if you're if you're a company just starting out, whatever you do, do not buy a server. Start with the cloud. This is this is where we're all headed. Would you yeah. Would you guys agree? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to play devil's advocate and not agree with that that statement. Right. Um, I'm going to have to say that having your computer information, your data, taking it from your house, basically, here's here's the breakdown of it, right? I have my, my personal important business information at home on my computer, and I bring it to my neighbor's house, and he charges me a fee for keeping it there. That's cloud computing. <laughs> is my is my data safe at my neighbor's house? For all, for all I know, he's a a data harvester or he sells data, right? I don't know what he's doing with my data. I don't feel safe, and I is your, don't is feel good paying for that. Is your neighbor named Mark or Bill? How'd you know, Mark Bill? <laughs> <laughs> is it is it um, Mark? He's a duck. Mark Gates or uh, Bill Zuckerberg? Yeah, it's one of those guys. One of those guys, eh? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's kind of like my devil's advocate, um, you know, opinion on that um, cloud computing. Data. It's not really you, cloud computing. If you encrypt your data, neighbors. if you encrypt your data in the cloud, then unless someone can break the encryption, you're you should be safe more than safe. If right, you but don't, it is 
possible, right, to break the encryption? Uh, well, is it? I mean, I would, 256 bit a, encryption. Yeah, it's impossible to break it, but the odds of breaking 256 bit encryption is like, you know, I think it's like you would have to have computers hacking for something like 13 mm -hmm. billion years to to be able to yeah. to, to have a I mean, guaranteed hack. But here's the thing: you could you could guess it the first time by accident in right. like a second, or or mm -hmm. if it takes the last guess out of whatever that big giant number is that it need you need to yeah. do mm -hmm. that last guess would be 13 billion years or whatever it's a huge number yeah. right um but how do you know it's going to take the last guess the middle guess or the first guess you don't know right so you're, you're right. correct right. you're correct you can crack encryption and get lucky the, the 13 the 13 million or whatever here is like i heard that they got that really far down super far down with quantum computing absolutely i was going to bring like, that up yeah. yeah because now like i don't i've never like seen the service in azure but they have like you know the quant the cloud quantum computing that you can do and you buy like x qubits of work and then you could you know sick this amount of qubits on whatever you know unhashing thing you have to do and i don't know that there's probably a calculator online like if with using you know let's say you know, a bunch of GPUs and SLI to like break like X amount of teraflops on some RTX 4090, like graphics cards on computers, like would be like the 13 million years or whatever for the 256 SHA or whatever. But then there's probably some calculator that'll say, hey, if you run that through, you know, some kind of quantum, whatever, what is how, but there's this whole like security thing where like everyone's like, oh shoot, like they're going to just sit quantum on like, no one is safe with quantum, <laughs> right. you know, like, but, but really to your point about like the, is it safe there? No. I mean, no. the thing is, you know, that no one's deleting data. Like you delete a Facebook post, it's not gone. And I'm not talking about the, you know, your grandma taking a photo of the post and then sending it mm -hmm. to your mom. I'm talking about like, uh, n like they sell your data because you never, n nothing is ever deleted. Right. But then right. with the cloud, it's like, Hey, if you have like, let's say there's scenarios, right? Well, if you want high reliability, you know, do you want to be like hitting the web server on Rui's like computer or do you want like the reliability of Microsoft? Because at the end of the day, who's more likely to get hacked like Rui's computer at home or like Microsoft and probably just right. be like, oh no, I'd rather be on Microsoft because you know, if they get well, hacked, right. you know what I mean? But, but right. when you're talking about data security and like, is it safe? No. I mean, mm. also, I would also argue on your computer is not even safe. Um, mm. I, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, you know this product, uh, Fiddler? It's made by Telerik. It's like a network sniffing, kind of like a Wireshark tool. Right. Um, they were talking about how it's like, why do you need Wireshark? Like you just open up DevTools and see all the network stuff. Well, mm. uh, you know, Fiddler will look at uh, the network traffic on your computer, not necessarily in your browser. So let's say you're debugging an iOS app, like it'll mm -hmm. show the network traffic for that. But when you first open up Fiddler and you can download it, you know, fiddler.telaric.com, whatever, not sponsored by them. I just, I love their products, um, is when you open it for the first time, it shows all of these things from Microsoft phoning home about everything, right? Mm -hmm. And the same thing on Macs when you open it too. So I, I'd say there's a slight chance that, you know, unless you're, I mean, if you're running Linux, I mean, you also might want to open up like Fiddler to see what's going on. Like, right. But uh, yeah, I would say that if it's on a computer, it's probably not safe. Mm -hmm. If it's on paper, 
if you've taken a photo of the paper, it's not safe because now it's on. Exactly. I think nothing's safe. Like, I think we just have to accept that, like, our neighbor is looking through our the photos of our children or something really weird like that. You know, like, <laughs> hey, man, can you stop doing that? Because, yeah, I don't know. There's benefits to the cloud, but there's also the Those drawbacks. Of, for sure. Yeah. Big drawbacks. You, your data yeah. is no longer safe. It's no longer yours. It's no longer. And you don't know where it's sitting either, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, at Re- least regionality. Uh, the home server or on-premise server, you know where it's sitting. And then you can set up a series of booby traps to keep things even safer, right? Yeah. You have like uh, moats and stuff around it, maybe like a little pits, uh, yeah. Vietnamese uh, traps, all kinds of crazy stuff you can have just protecting totally. that server in addition to the 512 uh, SHA, right? Yeah, like spike pits, right? Like yeah, for Pitfall? Like, yeah, like Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah Pitfall. You ever, you, you, ever do, play, you, can, yeah. you, ever, you ever play that game, The Evil Within? No, if is Carl, it there was this, it's so good. There was this boss in this game, Evil Within. He was a butcher, right? It's like a horror video game. This guy's wearing like a like a bib, like a, like a lobster bib. He's a butcher, right? Butcher. And uh, he's got a safe for a helmet. One of those safes that have the big crank for the nose, right? But it was weird because when you kill him, he would just reanimate. So you couldn't really kill him, right? It was like pretty scary. Like, hey, man, it's like Jason. Like you thought you killed Jason. He's he's right back. That's Jason. <laughs> For you right but when you opened up the safe and opened it there's nothing inside of it it was just so horrific it was empty and it was almost like a metaphor for life you know like you know when women are looking at men they're like you know if i crack that code i bet you i can really figure out what's going on and then, <laughs> then they open it and like there's inside. nothing <laughs> it's just like okay i thought i was i thought i had my investment oh, would goodness. pan out but um yeah i don't know how to bring that back to cloud <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> quite honestly, um, but well, yeah, I don't know. What, what do you think? <laughs> Pardon? Can you play that video game in the cloud? Yes. And oh my gosh. So it's so crazy now that they're trying to just say, okay, you know what? Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, maybe not Nintendo yet, but Xbox and PlayStation, you don't need discs. You don't even need digital. We're just like Netflix. You want to play that game? You just plop down 60 bucks a month and all the games are unlocked. But now true gamers are like, oh, dear Lord, we have latency issues like crazy. Yeah. Like you're trying to stream 4K. Like you, if you don't have like a, a a tera gig up or like, sorry, two gigabit up, two gigabyte, gigabit down internet, like fiber directly into your computer, <laughs> you know, directly into your house. Um, like, and then I don't know, people aren't really, I'd say the hardcore gamers aren't there, but cloud computing and gaming is huge right now. Mm-hmm. Um it's just people want to like just they have this new attachment for uh, phones for both uh, Xbox and PlayStation where you just kind of put your phone in. Right. And then it's got the controller thing on each side. I'm not talking about the ones that came out like years ago. These are like straight from kind of like official third parties for Microsoft and uh, PlayStation. But when you're on there, it, it actually has a more direct connection to the cloud. Like they have mm. some controllers, I believe, that have a direct connection to the cloud. Um, it's kind of like cool to think about that. Like, you know, cloud is kind of everywhere. They don't want to have this physical local at home. Yeah. So, and then so this- I was just going to say, who, who is it really benefiting, right? Is it Probably benefiting my- us? I don't think so. No. Well, I mean, the ease of access of getting in games, yes. But the, the if you want like the de facto quality standard, you won't won't go there. But dude, I was the first one. I have so many like 4K discs, right? Mm-hmm. 
But then once Netflix, they were able to pump out 4K 60 frame or, you know, 120 hertz and still right. had Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos. I'm like, mm-hmm. how is this? I, but then I put in like a 4K disc. I, I can still tell the difference, but at a certain point, I'm like, I, I can't keep buying this. But, like movie, but I'm not like a movie, like a, there are hardcore, like, you know, right. you buy physical media, really, right? Like for games I, only. Yeah. yeah, for games only. Uh, me too. Like, um, Carl, are you like all digital at this point? Or are you all cloud at this point in terms of digital media or physical media? Or VHS? Well, I don't play games. Um, I, I downloaded MAME about a year ago to play like, you know, Galaga nice. and Pac-Man and Dig Dug. But that lasted about a month. And then I just kind of got busy with other stuff. As much as I'd like to get back on it. Uh, for my recording software, it's um, some of it's in the cloud. So like samplers uh, that have, you know, WAV files as digital samples, a lot of that stuff. What happens is you download it and it's all running natively on your on your laptop or desktop. Mm-hmm. But there's you can pick and choose which components, like which amplifier simulators, like which guitar amp simulators, which plugins you want to use. And that will download it to your local machine. Nice. And I, I think they have like the issues there are more in terms of activation. Like if uh, if your internet's down for more than thirty days, then you might get locked out. Oh wow! You know, you know what I mean. So it, it checks to see act. Some of them check to see activation. Some of them, some of them are smart enough. Some of the plugin companies, so that once you're activated, you download it, and then they don't check act if you're activated anymore. Yeah. So like it depends phone. on how how smart they are with their activations. Right. Anything else I'm using in, and like that's not in the cloud really is um, um, like Visual uh, Studio Code. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, my recording software, the, the actual the actual recording software, they call it a DAW, Digital Audio Workstation. That's not in the cloud. I'm using Reaper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, you know, email and, uh, you know, I'll mess around with Google Docs. I still use Excel locally and Word locally. I'm, I'm trying to get away same, from, yeah. from, from from using Google Docs. And for, for that yeah. same reason, for, you know, I don't want Google mining my data and a lot of my data is not really super critical, but it gets to the point where it's like, well, you know, I, I don't want like the less exposure you have, the less security footprint, regardless of whether you think it's it's data that's that matters mm-hmm. or not. The less you put out there, the less someone with who can look at this and go, oh, look, this this data may not matter on its own. But if you connect this data with this data and this piece of information all related back to me or you then they can start making right. a profile and, and making it easier to do whatever kind of hacks, whether it's a social hack or, or um, um, an actual technology hack into your your accounts, your systems. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be a little bit smarter there. Um, I was looking since blockchain's in the cloud, you know, um, we're talking cloud. I did, I did a little bit of chat GPTing. And I was curious, like, how, how hard would it be to hack into the, um, like, basically guess the same seed phrase on a Bitcoin wallet or any crypto wallet so mm-hmm. that I could, so when you when you get a wallet um, from scratch, it creates a seed phrase. And that is what is what generates your private key and it's associated right. with your private key. So there's nothing stopping any wallet from 
uh, creating a seed phrase that's the same one somebody else has. So if by accident, mm. a wallet just randomly creates the same seed phrase for a new user as an existing user that has potentially millions of dollars in their Bitcoin um, associated to that Bitcoin seed phrase, then the new mm -hmm. user by default can technically steal all that other person's money or has access mm. to it or crypto. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I said, the odds of that happening are, I think, something like one in 13 billion or whatever it is. It's a huge number. But um, right. I kept going back to and um, chat. GPT said it's such a small number. It's, it's essentially zero. But I, I kept going back and I'm like, but what's to say that you couldn't guess that number uh, the very first time mm -hmm. just by accident? There's nothing that says that won't happen. So then it's. Yeah, like probability. He said, well, you know, diversify, don't keep all your crypto in one wallet. And then I started mm, thinking, well, yeah. if you have, you know, um, five wallets and one gets hacked, um, whether it's just because of what I was talking about or or you actually um, it's a legitimate hack where you posted your key, your phrase by mistake. But if you had five wallets, and one gets hacked and you spread it equally, you could lose 20 percent of your your crypto. And that's still mm, a high right. number, right? You want to. Yeah. You want to kind of get that number down. So talking about security in the cloud is, um, yeah, it's uh, who knows, right? Like, do we really know how secure this stuff is? Knowing that you could guess it like that. I mean, yeah, I could literally, like lock, if I had, um, like anyone could literally guess a password the first time, just dumb luck. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, I've looked at some uh you know, clients' databases when they're onboarding to like build some software. And, you know, when you open up the user table <clears throat> and the passwords are stored in plain text, I'm like, I'm like, oh, dear Lord, right? And then <laughs> when some of the passwords are a blank, like a space bar, and that was a valid password. <laughs> so, and then it's just like, oh, dear Lord. But like, but think about like that variability to what you're talking about carl right like you're super at the tail end of the spectrum of making things secure there's like we were talking about before <laughs> like i think it was asp not aspx but like not asp.net but like classic active server pages or whatever yeah. or before that there was like literally like select statements in html right like you could open up dev tools and see a select statement from a database, right? Right in there. I'm not sure mm -hmm. what it was, but like that used to be like pretty okay, you know? And then like, this, then stuff hit the stuff hit the fan, right? And then everyone's like separating stuff and like, but yeah, like you got, you got to imagine like we're pretty techni technologically advanced. We do have a bias for doing things correctly and being safe and, yeah. Um, but granted, probably in, crypt in the crypto world, you probably, you know, you're, you're not at the tail end and you're not in the, tail start you're somewhere in the middle because you kind of have to be technologically advanced in general to be dealing with that stuff at any meaningful high capacity optimal level right mm -hmm. like you are carl like so it yeah yeah i'm very careful with my passwords too you know i follow all the best practices of long passwords with mixed uppercase lowercase and you know funky characters and I change them on a regular basis. And I don't use password managers because when I looked into them, I thought, well, all someone has to do is hack into one password and they have everything. Yeah. If I manage all yeah. my own passwords, as much of it is a pain in the ass separately, then mm -hmm. if they yeah. just hack into one account, 
then and I used and true. I used different passwords. Then mm. you know, and there was a hack um, in one Last of these pass. password managers. Yeah, was it LastPass? Maybe was it LastPass? Yeah. I can't yeah. believe, man, that's I crazy. Should, I don't and know. They've had like was, three different CEOs over yeah, the past I year or two. I don't know if they were able to access people's actual. Um, actually log in but there was like personal information i think emails or something was was uh, right. re- revealed and that's that's the clouding in a cloud computing in a nutshell right that stuff passwords yeah. should be kept in cold storage you know yeah. on, a, on a word document you, you guys have ever seen that like cloud backup like commercial from github it was like a viral commercial where they took mm. all of the github repositories onto like a cold pressed SSD and they brought it to like the pit. They dug a pit in Antarctic and they put it in a safe in a vault down there. It was like this viral thing. We backed up GitHub. We're keeping it on ice in Antarctica forever. It it was actually like, it was digitally burnt into like a piece of glass or something. Wasn't that a couple years ago? Yeah, that was like I, I don't like I'm sh- that it sounds just too outrageous to be true, but it yeah. might have been true. But that was just some messed up stuff. But like, um, yeah, like if you put all of your eggs in one basket, like passwords, and then you say, okay, the cloud can manage that, then yeah, like if someone can guess that for Blendjet, the portable blender that allows you to make delicious and healthy smoothies on the go, with its powerful motor and compact design, you could blend your favorite fruits and veggies anytime anywhere say goodbye to unhealthy fast food and hello to a healthier lifestyle with blendjet for 12 percent off a blendjet 2 use coupon code codeplay12 it's like if you have all of your eggs in one basket for you know last pass or well one pass and then if you have like a super simple password like one two three four like and if you have auto login um, you can imagine if you leave your computer unlocked too, you know, people come by, sit at your computer, hit your banking, make some transfers because it all auto logs in, right? Yeah. Those browser extensions are the gift and the curse. But if you have a very, you know, serious, good password at that front gate, then yeah, there's a lot of, I bet you like the cyber criminals probably pretty heavily have like a lot of their or a portion of their resources targeted at those password manager companies mm-hmm. those would be like the like the unicorns or the the pot of gold mother right load. yeah other load if they can get those so cloud in general like i mean some of it's good some of it's bad i mean you got to know what you're doing kind of like bitcoin like um i'll just take a second to tell you how much um i love um azure static web apps <laughs> um mm. i'm like like i love these things like they're free like if you have any website you want to host, um, you can host it forever for free. You don't need to pay anything. You just have your HTML, you plop it there like a CDN, and yeah. they give you free SSL that automatically renews um, for life. And you can do custom domains for free. And if you ever get like super busy where you're like, oh man, this thing's really taken off, or you can one click check off, you can say put it on the edge. And what that'll do is like on Microsoft's like globally distributed, you know, data centers, uh, wherever you're closest to, it'll hit that, right? So if you're in Germany, it'll give you the latency to the closest Germany um, or the German, you know, Microsoft um, Colo, right? For mm-hmm. Azure. And- um, So will that allow you to run React apps too? Because that's just- Yeah, 
yeah. JavaScript and HTML. All, all SPA frameworks, right? Uh, so nice. we host like all the Blazor stuff there for the front end. There's zero cost for the front end for Blazor, React, Angular, Vue, um, PHP, I think. Like they have a whole list of like, because PHP, you don't need a server, right, uh, Rui? Yeah, you do. Of course. You do? Yeah. Because it's server side, right? The PHP part? Yep. Right. Okay. So maybe not PHP, but what was I thinking about? Is Perl? Or I can't remember. But anyhow, any client side stuff that you want to plop, you can. Um, it's just incredible. And the fact that you can just set up your tenant and post anything there. Mm -hmm. I just want to see. I'm just going on their, their thing for Azure Static Web Apps. And they have a... Yeah. So on the page for Static Web Apps, they have React, View, um, Angular, and .NET. When they say .NET, they pretty much mean Blazor. But now through the power of WebAssembly, you can now run .NET code directly natively in the browser without Blazor, which means that you could potentially have, I don't know, a game written in .NET or something that mm -hmm. has no HTML that's just rendered with uh, WebAssembly that's static. So nice. <clears throat> Rust, like all these server-side languages, you can compile them down to WebAssembly and they'll run on static web apps, meaning that PHP probably don't want to do that because now all your server-side you know, secrets. You know, everyone right. thinks like server is like a uh, a safe, right? You can't mm -hmm. if you can't get the server, we're good, right? Um, <clears throat> there was a good tech demo by um, um, the father of uh, Knockout JS and and Blazor. I'm forgetting his name, and I'm gonna like hate myself later. But um, <clears throat> he made um, so he made Blazor, Knockout JS, and all that stuff. Um, he made um, ASP.NET or like you know. MVC, like which is typically JavaScript going to a server. He made that all within the client. He took the whole server, the whole actual .NET core server and mm -hmm. ran it client side. So when you would do like a post or like a, you know, like URL is like gaming slash ID two, and it would route, it would actually mm -hmm. route back to itself internally. So all you see all the server side code right there in the client. And he starts the demonstration by saying, this is what's possible, but never do this, right? Mm -hmm. But he just wanted to show that you could run any server-side technology right there in the client. Yeah. So, you know, remember we were looking at WebAssembly uh, in the cloud for gaming and people yeah. write Unity and then right. they use the, it's a special tool you run the stuff to, to convert it to WebAssembly. Mm -hmm. And that means that you could run a game, you could build the game in Unity yeah. And then you could host it for free on Azure Static Web Apps. When you log in, um, you're playing a game because it uses client-side GPU, right? It right, uses right. the GPU of your computer. So now you can host games for free, like anywhere, and have them globally di distributed. Mm -hmm. It's That's just pretty nice. Yeah, It's incredible. Um, on the server side, there's not that much. Like, you know, obviously you want to do Docker containers and some stuff or Azure Static Web Apps or AWS Lambdas and, you know, try to move away from VMs, right, Carl? Because mm -hmm. in cloud computing, what's the first thing that the companies do that have a big data center? They're like, we'll take our VMs and we'll put them in the cloud. It's like, that's not exactly cloud computing, right? Like that's maybe a baby step, but what you want to get to is stuff like serverless, right? Where you're actually not remoting into a server in the cloud and doing Windows updates. Maybe you want the cloud to manage that for you. And that's really the difference. I'd say that that is cloud.
for me. The fact that I can no longer remote into it, update it, all that stuff. It's now a service, meaning like I can do some settings. Maybe I can get to a terminal, but the real benefit of cloud is not managing that infrastructure, both from like an update license, a like rebooting, all that stuff. It's just like, and stuff. Yeah. Like, Oh, did you get hacked or did Microsoft get hacked or did you forget to do that windows update and it's Mm -hmm. your fault. Right. So Paz was a platform as a service is really the way to go. Um, but yeah, cloud computing, I would say that like if companies are not on it, you know, if they want to move to it, the, the, it's, you know, the benefit is tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree to an extent, but yeah. I, you know, just thinking in terms of you're right, like serverless computing and when you're, you have custom apps running in the cloud, that is, you're really taking advantage of the, the pretty much everything the cloud can offer. But a lot of corporate companies that don't write their own software, they're just using, you know, off the shelf, Microsoft servers and SQL, whatever, right? Like those kind of guys, there's, they're still running VMs in the cloud. That's, that's all they have. Unless it's also um, using, like, if you look at like switches like Meraki, where there's the management console is now in the cloud. Mm. CRMs are in the cloud. Like a lot of people are using Salesforce or Dynamics. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of companies and and even IT departments don't necessarily look at, I'm sure they do now, but uh, maybe in a lot of smaller companies or maybe, you know, five, 10 years ago, they weren't really looking at stuff like Salesforce as being a cloud app because the IT guys are still focused on their own infrastructure, their on-premise servers. But, you know, cloud is... um, for a lot of companies, they're either using something like Salesforce or Dynamics in the cloud, or they're using management servers, a lot of antivirus endpoint protection, the management servers running in the cloud. So that's taking away the need to have a server, yet um, for your other servers that are like physical servers or virtual machines on premise, you're still running VMs in, in Azure or AWS. So it's, um, there, you know, cloud is like, it's such a, it's such um it's a, such a small world word for what can be so many different um, right. variations. And, and, you know, I, I keep thinking okay. of blockchain because it's kind of still fresh in my head. It's the same thing with crypto and blockchain. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with just the say. word virtualization that those words got, you know, just twisted and turned until everything became virtualized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though it was, they weren't virtualized. They were saying people were using the word virtualization or like AI, like everything's AI. Like yeah. um, anything you write, technically any algorithm you write in code is is artificial intelligence. Like if you write a, yeah. something that takes two people's ages and adds them together and averages them, technically you could say that's artificial intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> like in, in gaming and stuff, like they were writing AI with two characters NPCs interacting with each other for years, right? But there wasn't this like allure of AI. Yeah. Right now that Chat GPT is like proven all that stuff. But can I tell you something? Like I, I've, you know, I've definitely been, and a lot of the YouTubers that are in the coding space are 
except Fireship. But, but like a lot of the other ones are like, no, it's just going to be a tool that'll complement. It's not like the tech industry like took a little dump for the resources because of AI and other reasons, but it'll come back. It'll come back soaring like crazy for sure. Um, a buddy and I were coding last night and we were stuck in a problem for like two hours, right? And when we finally got it, we both looked at each other like, dude, there is no way AI would have been able to do any of this, what we just did, what we just went through. And we both realized, like not realized, but it solidified like to us. They're like, this, it's just going to be a, a tool to quickly look up things and all that stuff, maybe automate a lot of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but man, like it does not break that human level of problem solving. Right. Let's get together and we let's build, right? If you're looking for a unique, high quality puzzle experience, then Wango Puzzles is for you. Their puzzles are handcrafted and made of premium quality wood, ensuring a long-lasting and enjoyable puzzle-solving experience. Why settle for mass-produced plastic puzzles when you can have a one-of-a-kind handmade Wango Puzzle? For 10% off Wango Puzzles, use the coupon code CODEPLAY. Um, well, maybe man, not like- today. I was using ChatGPT yeah. quite a bit over the past two weeks. And especially with code, it throws out a lot of... Uh, variables that are not defined like all kinds of problems that it that it can't detect until you actually go back and say hey can you double check this code or usually i detect mm-hmm. it so i'm i i'm i pinpoint i'm like i don't see this very this variable or whatever defined yeah and then i'll go oh yeah i apologize but then <laughs> and i understand yeah, that it's like it's it's the rug sweeping oh sorry about that what i meant to say was <laughs> like no listen you I pointed it out to you. Give credit where credit is due, Mr. Chat GPT. I've, I've never asked it to just blade to kind of blankly, hey, can you check this code for validity? Like the code that it put yeah. out. I, I always go back and say, hey, this looks wrong. Now, when I put yeah. code out to it and say, check it like my own code, it will actually point stuff out. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that that's my own silliness. But here's. So I understand that and I'm still, my next thing is next time I spot an error, I'm going to see if it can find the error without me pointing the error out. Um, right. But here's, here's one thing that just stood out as like, mm-hmm. I was, again, that blockchain encryption, uh, it was probabilities. So if you take like one in a hundred and you multiply that four times, so one in a hundred times one in a hundred times one in a hundred times one in a hundred is one. And I think it's like a hundred, whatever the number was. Chat GPT had one less zero, and I'm like, hang on a sec. So I'm like doing the math. I'm looking at zeros because one one out of a hundred times one out of a hundred is ten thousand. Then you add two more zeros, and then another two, and it left a zero off. And it, and then I pointed it out. It's like, oh yeah, I apologize. I'm like, hang on, this isn't like <laughs> this isn't coding. This is relatively like basic math. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. So right. I got that. It's right. like. It, it, <laughs> It's lacking some nuances, especially when it comes to coding. There's some nuances that it just can't, mm-hmm. it just can't figure yeah. out. I, I think it got confused because I had it looks back in the history of the chat, and I had a lot of other um, questions and calculations of like mm-hmm. odds of one in a hundred or you know whatever like, and so I think that may have thrown it off. Yeah, the context. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to yeah, be like very I'm, careful. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why it's important with ChatGPT. Uh, especially for to like keep uh, the conversations very limited to their purpose on the left hand side like obviously delete conversations that are like a onesie twosie I'll never ask this ever again like um, whatever but it 
with chat GPT four, I believe, or the fifth one coming, they're, they're adding more like, um, like characters that can remember from a previous, like, cause what they're showing is like, if you hit a new four session and you just type and type and type at a certain point, like whether it's 10,000 words, whatever, it'll forget what it's, it's gone. Right. It's completely out of its memory in that, that conversation. So they're trying to expand that to be even more, mm -hmm. um, it just completely loses. Like it forgets who you are, what, what we've discussed before. It's like, yeah. uh, it's like the Alzheimer's scenario where you have I to feel like anything you try to correct it on, it will take your, your uh, correction at face value and apologize uh -huh. for whatever it is. Yeah. So there could be some, you know, chat, um, you know, DT, you know, chat degradation team with just, sole purpose is to degrade that whole system and just feed it terrible information say sky mm. is sky is actually purple oh no the yeah. sky is purple so just yeah i mean that that's possible but I, I think it will take your your correction at face value mm. and not yes, try to I've correct you that. i've noticed that too it's like oh sorry yeah you're right it's almost like it's like agreeable to its own fault right mm -hmm. and like it's because it, at the end of the day it has to be liked right like if it told you, like if it was one of those like annoying know-it-all friends and it was like, right. hey, dude, that sucks. It. Like, why would you ever do that? Yeah. Like, this is what you got to write. You suck. And then why it gives you the right you play code. with me? Yeah. And then like, play with me. <laughs> it's like, play with me or I'll break your arm. Like from uh, from a Miyazaki movie, The Big yeah. Baby. Um, mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't know. It's like, I feel like it's just going to be a, an awesome tool um, yeah. for devs, but Anyhow, we're, we're, we're right at time now. Um, so um, I would say closing it out, Carl, if, if you're a company that's on the fence about moving to the cloud, and I'll ask you too, Rui, like what would you do to help uh, persuade or dissuade that company for moving to the cloud in like elevator pitch level, couple sentences? Well, I'll let Carl have the last word, so I'll just sure. say something quick because he's, uh, I, I'm not a big um, cloud computing guy, but anytime you're on the fence, you pick a side because if you fall off the fence, it's a it's a long fall. That That's my my opinion. <laughs> that's all I have to all say right. about the cloud well, part. The me metaphor, right? So <laughs> keep, them, keep them undecided, right? Keep them, <laughs> keep them guessing. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, right, I think Carl, it's, um, you? I think you need to look at the uh, the budgeting and the amount of time and effort it takes to migrate over and also the time and effort and costs that you'll save once you are mig migrated over. And then mm. you can decide what workloads and what resources to put in the cloud and which that you want to keep on premise and, you, and also decide when you want to put them in the cloud and, and have that, that strategy in place. It, you know, it's, um, it really depends on, on how much on the size of the, the organization. And um, so there's really no one size fits all. It's, uh, it can be a very simple thing to do, or it, it can be like a long drawn out and um, quite uh, um, intensive in terms of time and money. If you, for any company that's, that wants to get in the cloud because they see the value of it in terms of saving time increasing productivity for their, their IT and tech team, um, becoming more modernized, increasing productivity for the actual end users in the company, the business, the line of business people, saving money. 
and but you don't have the resources to do it, you don't have the skill sets, definitely don't try and learn it all yourself. Bring on experts that have been trained and that do it pretty much every day and have certifications. I've seen a lot of companies try and do certain things themselves, whether it's cloud or, or not. And um, if you know, if you take on too much or you underestimate what you're taking on, uh, things can go sideways pretty quickly, and then the costs can can be uh, uh, unnecessary astronomical costs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's great advice. So very pragmatic, plan it out. Um, you know, get the help that you need. Don't try to take it all on. And, um, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew. Start small, right? Like you're saying. But at the same point, don't jump in without being pragmatic enough to do some of that work at first. Because even smart, starting small, you could end up in a financial pit because of poor planning. So it's yeah. like a bunch of good planning and then start small. Right. Do it in phases. Great yes. Advice. Start with yeah. one virtual machine, back up one server, you know, start really small, get your feet wet um, and, and and put a plan together. And um, when, once you make a few small maneuvers into whether it's Azure or AWS or whatever cloud you provide, you're, you're going into, then you get that familiarity, you get the, the workflow in place. You, you work out the bugs and then instead of just doing one VM or two VMs, you can, then you can go out and throw like a, you know, 10, 20, yeah. 50 or hundred VMs out and, and scale it out. Yeah. So like kind of have your mistakes in a smaller silo yeah. and then correct them. And then when you move to a bigger implementation, you've already kind of learned. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I said VM, if you have a custom app, like you're, you're big on development. Uh, using Lambda functions, start with one small microservice in your in your application, or start with a test application. Mm. Just test right. it out, get it going. Don't 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 get your head wrapped into something. Um, I, I see that a lot, and then yeah. yeah, I mean it's fun, right? It's it's fun, but you know, um, just wrapping up from my side with all that we were talking before we started recording. You know, anyone that's in IT, whether you're selling it or buying it or using it. Um, budgeting for it, administering it. There, it never the the innovation and the amount of learning never ends. And um, so, I just remember again going back to blockchain. Um, Charles Hoskinson. I watch his videos now and again. He does Ask Me Anything videos, AMAs on YouTube, live streaming. Uh, most of them, I think, are live streamed. And uh, he basically says, look, we are, we don't stop. We celebrate, but we don't, we don't over celebrate because we know tomorrow the work never stops. And in, especially in an mm -hmm. industry like the blockchain and crypto, uh, that is highly competitive. There's a lot of people coming at them from different sides. And I think that's the case with a lot of, a lot of companies, um, like even the Googles of the world, the Google now, Google's now have to deal with chat, the chat GPTs of the world. So it's um, we're living in a hyper competitive uh, business environment and there's a lot of information coming at us and uh, chat GPT is is still very, very early. And that's that's all I'm going to say or those I'll never stop talking. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, definitely worth doing um, more diving into cloud. I'll, I'll leave it at one thing and uh, head on out like a baby or leave like a tree or mm -hmm. shake like a stick is, um, you know, 
one of the things I like is as soon as you port your SQL server to Azure SQL, it does automatic backup. You know, it sets all that stuff for you. It's encrypted by default at, at rest and in transit, does all of that for you. Right, so if you're a DBA and you want to, you know, automate some of that stuff, it's great. But uh, yeah, thanks everyone. Thanks, Rui. Thanks, Carl. We'll see you next time on the Cool Play Culture Podcast. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks. Goodbye.